Welcome to the Big Careers Small Children podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I believe that no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For much too long, brilliant people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children, and that leads to gender inequality in leadership and the same stale, mostly male, middle-class people leading our organizations. We absolutely must change this. And I hope that many of you listening right now to this podcast will progress to the most senior leadership roles possible in a way that works for you and for your families. So you can make the decisions that make our world and our organizations better places. Beyond the podcast, I am the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus, which is all about giving parents the support and space to progress to senior leadership in a way that works for them and their families. We have lots of free events and also lots of resources on leadersplus.org where you can download helpful toolkits such as on returning from maternity leave, or securing a promotion as a working parent, or thriving or surviving, depending how you look at it as a dual career couple. We also have an award-winning global fellowship program for working parents who have big dreams for their careers, but don't want to sacrifice everything for it. You will join a tight-knit, supportive group of people. You'll get space to think about what you want for your life, for your family, for your career, a senior leader mentor and a lot of targeted support in order to get you where you would like to be. And you can find all that on leadersplus.org forward slash fellowship for the details. The next application deadline is on 20th March 2024 and you can download the brochure on leadersplus.org. In this conversation, Heather Taylor and I talk about how to get a board role, how to keep progressing your career at a fast rate, while bringing up young children and how to apply for full-time roles while actually only wanting to work four days a week. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'm Heather Taylor. I'm currently Director of Finance and Resources for Trust for London. Um, They are a charitable foundation funding organisations who work to reduce poverty and inequality in London. My background is in finance in the charity and local government sector. And I am mum to two children. I've got a three-year-old Oscar and a six-year-old Iris. And we probably should say that we know each other, I think, because you were on the first cohort of Leaders Plus. Was it the first or the second? Yeah, 2018. Yes, you were were brave slash crazy enough to do that. And then I headhunted you to be part of a trustee board I was chairing, which I was very pleased that I was able to do so. I want to ask you a question that I'm asking of everyone on this podcast. What do you used to believe about combining a big career with young children that you don't believe anymore? Yeah, I think when I first did the fellowship, I was in a sort of middle management position and just had my first child. I was on maternity leave and I didn't think I was allowed to be passionate about both as sort of internal belief rather than kind of rational thought but I didn't think that I would be excited and and want to be a really good mum and progress in my career and I probably thought that choices I made would limit my progression so and and the fellowship really helped meeting other people who just really were excited about both and and to kind of allow myself to want to 
do both and allow myself to go four days a week, which I did, and still believe that I can progress, which I also did. So, mm, yeah. mm, interesting. And you do still four days a week now? I do, yes. I've um, been working four days a week since I had my daughter um, six and a half years ago. I think you're living the dream, by the way, with having... So I work four days a week, but I also have my very lovely toddler with me on fourth day. And it's my vision that I will have a day where I can go to the hairdresser and go for a run without having to rush. And I think that would be really nice. So my impression is that you progressed your career very quickly. And do you agree with that, first of all? And if yes, can you remind listeners kind of the last three steps you took? Yeah, I think it's something I've allowed myself to believe more recently. I've been having some coaching lately and it's sort of helped me appreciate my own successes more than I maybe have in the past. So I had my daughter six years ago. At the time, I was a business partner, a finance business partner in a national charity. Went from that role um, in quite a big charity to a head of finance role in a much smaller charity. And then 18 months ago, I moved from that smaller charity to a a big funder to be the director of finance and resources. So it certainly, I mean, as part of the Leaders Plus visioning work, it was probably what I was looking at in terms of a 10-year vision that I realized when we reviewed it as part of the alumni program, I'd achieved it in half that time. So that's, and feel kind of lucky, but I think I've more recently reflected that I did play a part in that (laughs) and uh, appreciated my sort of boldness I guess and bravery to apply for things that are quite a big step up a bit of a leap leap of faith. So I take full credit of trying to convince you to get onto your first board role and then you applied to the extremely competitive pregnant then screwed board role. Are you still the treasurer there now or? Yeah it's quite recent. I joined the board of pregnant then screwed in September and I'm the treasurer there. And I remember, I can't remember where, but I think we might have had a chat via LinkedIn just where you said, oh, you're applying, you're probably not going to get it, but it's worth trying. I said, yeah, you'll be great. And then obviously you got it. And I'm sure given the type of people, you know, how many people know pregnant and screwed, there will be lots of applications. Why did you go for it, even though you were so unsure whether you could get it? It's a really good question. I think I... I do this quite a lot in my career. I just take a, a bit of a risk and, and apply and kind of think, what's the worst that can happen? I'd been thinking about going, so I was on a board with you um, before the pandemic and I stopped when the pandemic hit because I also had a, well, I had a baby during the pandemic and it was it was a bit too much to juggle. So, and I had in my head that I would do my current job for, for a year. I joined 18 months ago and then I would start looking for a board role as a sort of extra string to my bow. So it was in the back of my mind and Pregnant and Screwed is obviously an organisation I'm really passionate about and have supported for quite a long time. And I just saw that they were advertising for a treasurer and I just thought, if I don't apply for this now, I'll I'll really regret it. And I think it just ticked so many boxes. I think when I see a role, sort of voluntary or paid role, if I could write the supporting statement in sort of just a few minutes, just because I'm so passionate about it and just really want to work there, it just seems like a no-brainer that I could just talk about how excited I am so yeah I just I gave it a go and <laughs> and got it so brilliant congratulations again Thank a lot you. of the listeners might hear you and think wow she is brilliant and clearly just excellent at her job 
Can you shed a light? Basically, is it in reality that you just get every job that you apply to, or were there lots of failures? You don't have to give details, but I just want a sense check. I'm curious, how did that look like? So in my latest change of roles, I probably applied for sort of maybe four roles and got to interview for maybe two or three and then and then got offered one. So and I, I do find the interview process can be quite confidence boosting. I find the process of like writing down all your in- achievements and talking about them, like you're talking yourself up. Like I find it can be quite good for my confidence in a way, even if I don't get the role. I know it's disheartening if you apply for lots of things and don't don't get them. And is there a secret sauce? I'm not a recruiter, but I feel that is quite a good ratio. Is there a secret sauce or, or is it just that you were lucky? One thing that I think has really stood me in good stead is when I was a teenager and a child, I did a lot of performing arts. So I'm, I know it probably isn't a stereotypical combination for a finance director to have done lots of drama and dance and things. I definitely have sort of introvert qualities, but I think having that background, it does give you the ability to sort of switch on and perform, um, even if you're not necessarily feeling a certain way, which has pros and cons. <laughs> but um, I, I think I'm quite good at just sort of presenting myself in an interview context, kind of showing when I'm really passionate about something. So I think that has been really helpful for that process, definitely. I love how confident you talk about self-promotion. I don't sense any hesitation. Was that always, and I mean that in a good way as a compliment, was that always the case or is it something that you have to learn? It's funny because in a way, I think this interview is self-promotion and this felt really out of my comfort zone. So I think I'm probably more comfortable talking about things that I've done and work that I've done than just talking about myself personally and maybe that's linked to the sort of acting of of sort of playing a role or or like talking about my work role which feels less personal maybe but I certainly like don't always feel as confident as I maybe sound. I've been told before that I can come across a bit like I seem very calm in, in a crisis and I definitely don't always feel like that so again maybe that's coming back to the the acting skills but yeah I have had big crises of confidence like starting a new job it always and often where where I have taken a big step up and I don't know what I'm doing I'm it can really give you a a kind of wobbling confidence but I think when I have those moments I've had some coaching or I've got people along the way through my career who've really sort of helped boost my confidence given me an extra bit of support reflect on Things that I've done well, I have a post-it on my laptop, a kind of electronic post-it where I just list successes. But whenever I do have a wobble, I kind of reflect on everything that I've achieved. But yeah, I've gone into roles where there's so much I don't know, but I try and be honest about that as well. And and so so yeah, there's an element of performance, but also I try and kind of be really clear about where, where I don't know what I'm doing and where I might need some extra support along the way where I'm learning things. And you talk about starting a new job well, what have you learned? So with your latest job, what did you do differently in terms of the way you started it compared to the job before or two jobs before? I read a book about this, actually. I think it's called The First 90 Days. I read it when I was starting my, not this job, but the job before, because it felt like such a big step up going to a head of role. I wasn't just finance anymore. I was taking on HR and IT. And I think that book, I can't remember a lot about it, but I remember that one thing is just to sort of try not to do anything for the first 90 days, really, to just 
listen and absorb. And lots of jobs when you're applying will ask you like, how will you what will you do in the first six months? And they did ask me in, in my interview for the, my current role, actually. And I was really clear about that, that I, I wouldn't do very much. I would just listen to people, just take stock of what the kind of state of play was and look at how long it would take to get to the position I would want it to be in. So I think, yeah, a big thing has just been listening and taking notes and trying to hold myself back. It's quite easy to want to start doing things straight away. But. Too often, organizational structures are not set up for working parents to thrive and progress their careers. And that's one of the root cause for the frequent feelings of guilt or feeling stuck in our careers that many of us experience. It is a root cause of why so many parents are plateauing in their careers, which leads to that terrible lack of women in senior leadership. We at Leaders Plus help to change this through our amazing community of alumni from our fellowship program, all our work with employers, and of course, our research. But right here, right now, in an often imperfect environment, I believe working parents do deserve support to develop and progress their careers in a way that works for them. Too often, it is lonely in a leadership role with children, and I believe you deserve, we all deserve, a supportive community of peers around us. In a hectic world, you deserve time and space to think what you want for your career and family life so you can make it happen. In a world where the privileged learn through old boys' clubs about how to progress their careers, we all deserve to access that information about what really gets you to your dream role so that we can implement it in a way that works for us, that doesn't require us going for drinks with the boss every evening uh, on long evenings out because we are, want to be there for our children. Those are just some of the reasons why I set up the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme and I would love for you to consider to apply. Here are some of the voices from our previous fellows. The Leaders Plus Fellowship has, ultimately, it's changed my life. The fellowship really has changed my life and I'm, I'm in the process of returning to work now and I can't wait I can't wait to make a change to put myself first to build up my team to build up those around me and to really make a difference thank you I completed Leaders Plus program in 2021 as I was returning from Matley with my second child it was game-changing for me my advice to anyone considering whether they deserve such a support program is don't hesitate. Do prioritize, do fight for the time to get clear on why and how you will work it. I offer my absolute support and encouragement to anybody that's considering the program. Download the brochure from our website, leadersplus.org. And if it is of interest, apply by 20th March 2024. And you worked four days a week since I got to know you, is that right? Mm -hmm. Five or six years ago. Have you ever applied for a job that was designed as a full-time role and then negotiated for it to be four days? It's a really good question. When I had my first daughter six years ago and I came back from maternity leave and I'd been in the role sort of, I think about four years and I was ready for the next step. And there clearly weren't 
any opportunities internally. So I started applying, but I really didn't want to go up to five days. And I found it really hard. I applied for quite a few organizations, all charities, and all the roles were advertised as five days. And as soon as I mentioned four days, they were just not open to even considering it. And in the end, the role I got was a new role in the organization. It was a charity that was growing very quickly and they didn't have a finance role. So they were creating a finance role. And I think that made it easier for them to consider four days because they were going from nothing to four days rather than five down to four days. In my most recent move, it's been really encouraging, I think, that it's been so much easier since the pandemic. I think organisations seem to be much more open to considering flexibility in roles. So I noticed at director level, there were so many more roles that were saying between four and five days or, or kind of obviously hybrid working is much more available. So it, the landscape seemed to change significantly in that time. And so my current role was advertised at five days and I asked if they'd consider four and there was no discussion straight away. They said yes. So yeah, I think it's always tricky to know when to raise it. I have thought about this in the past and I think my view is if you really, really want the role, maybe raise it later on. If you think there's maybe you have questions about the role and you're you're not sure about whether it's the right role for you, then maybe there's there's less at stake of raising it sooner. But I think it can help if they know you, they see they they want you, they see what you're capable of. And and I think something I've used as well is that I have a track track record now of doing so if you, if anyone returns from maternity leave in a five-day week role and returns at four days, you have a track record of delivering a role that was five days at uh, less. So you can then use that in an interview and say, well, this job was five days and I've now been able to do it in four. So again, just trying to unpick what worked in your relatively fast career progression. Did you work with a headhunter? Did you just research lots of job openings and then apply or what? What did actually lead to those jobs? I feel really lucky that in finance, you can move around to different sectors. So I've been lucky to, sort of, like I said, work in local government. I've worked in a homeless charity. I've worked in an education charity and, and a funder. So you get to experience loads of different worlds and kind of business models. And I really enjoy that. And I sort of pick or apply for organizations based on what excites me and what I can feel really passionate about. I think if I am sort of, leaving my children, putting them in childcare. Like I want to do like feel good about what I'm doing in the time that I'm not with them and feel passionate about it. And I'm really kind of values driven. That's what motivates me and excites me about my work. So I think I often apply based on the organization as much as the role. So I'll be sort of drawn to organizations that I feel like align with my values. And I think I have worked with recruiters and that I've found they can be mixed. So some recruiters will send you things that you just don't think are right for you, or they might be underselling you. But I have had a recruiter who has sent me things that I don't think I'm capable of. And then I'll speak to her on the phone and she'll say, I think you can do this. This is definitely within your capability and, and almost be like cheerleading me to go for something that I wouldn't necessarily go for. And I mean, I'm thinking of one specific example, a job I applied for, and I didn't get it, but I got to the sort of final three and I wouldn't have even thought of applying for it. So I think finding somebody like that is, is really valuable because it really did boost my confidence to apply for things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought, like put myself in the ring for. Hmm. And 
so you also chose to spend your time on boards and having two kids is hard work progressing your normal day-to-day career is quite hard work what made you get involved in boards apart from people twisting your arm it's something strangely that I've been involved in some way or another for most of my career when I started in a local council the council had a, a sort of tiny local charity it was involved with and they had a member of staff who was the treasurer and I was just given it as a trainee role and then a few years later the church I attend was asking for a treasurer so I did that and so I feel like I've learned along the way more and more about board roles and what they entail and the charities that I've been involved with from a board have been kind of bigger along the way as well and so I feel like it sort of happened organically in a way but I think reflecting on it it's been so valuable for me and my role and in the same way that moving around different organisations, you gain different perspectives and different ideas of, of how different organisations work. It's the same from being on a board. Like You bring a new perspective to your day job and you bring that perspective to the board. So I just find it really helpful. And I find working with Pregnant and Screwed really a really helpful perspective from working for a funder, seeing the staying connected with the sort of smaller charity world, the delivery and campaigning which I, I'm a kind of step removed from now in a funder. So I think it's hugely valuable. It can be really time consuming. It does depend depend on the board and the charity and your role on the board. I'm lucky that in my current role, my employer sees it as beneficial as I've just described it. It's seen as part of my role and I get time out during the day to do that. So yeah, that is reflected. But I think Hopefully, more and more employers can see that, but I think that you can kind of talk about the benefits to your employer as well, because I think it does bring so many benefits. And in terms of the application process to the board, how was that different compared to applying for a normal quotation mark job? It's very similar, actually. You have to submit a CV, supporting statement, be interviewed, although the interview is with trustees rather than staff. So it is very similar to applying for a paid role. The responsibilities look very different. So it's good to research the roles of a charity trustee or or board member and the commitments and things. But yeah, it's a very similar process. Great. And just in terms of obviously you're lucky with your current role that your boss does give you time off. But I remember you did quite, when we were both assistants advice, you did quite a lot of work, meetings or in the evenings. What have you learned about combining your day job with family and with the board work? I think knowing your boundaries is really important, knowing your red lines. So I said a few times I work four days a week. On Fridays, I look after my three-year-old. So I've always, when I apply for jobs or when I apply for board roles, I always say that up front. That's my red line. I'm not going to give up my Friday. And I don't check emails on Fridays as well. I know not all roles, (laughs) you can do that. So I think that's important to me. I'd much rather work in an evening than work on a Friday. So I think just being really clear, it is extra work, but I think the benefit and the feeling of supporting something. So like with Pregnant and Screwed, the benefit I get from feeling like I'm supporting this organisation that has helped me, especially during having a baby during the pandemic, they were a huge voice for women going through that. Definitely. And if people want to support Pregnant and Screwed, I'm sure most listeners will know about them, but let's just say it anyways. How can they get involved? How can they support the charity? 
Yeah, well, they have launched just under a year ago a membership scheme. So you can set up a pretty low, I think it's £3 a month donation to become a member and you get a regular newsletter, you get up-to-date news about campaigns they're doing and things or opportunity to get involved in working groups. So that's a really good, really good way to be involved. But follow them on social media. That's where they do a lot of their campaigning and get up-to-date information on what they're working on. Fantastic. And what's next in your, well, you're probably not allowed to say in your, in, from a day job perspective, but you mentioned that you achieved your 10-year vision much, much quicker. Do you have a next 10-year vision or not? <laughs> well, the Leaders Plus and Alumni is, is very good for getting us to revisit our visions and think about where we're going next. I think it's been really freeing for me to kind of reflect and think, oh, I am sort of where I wanted to be. And now I can kind of have a bit of fun, do what interests me. And and I think what's been really important as my kids get older, I find once they're out of the age two, you suddenly get a bit more headspace, you're getting a bit more sleep, hopefully. <laughs> if you're lucky, you're speaking to someone who's been yeah, up if you're lucky. It's probably not a good one to say, but, but I'm trying to kind of get a bit of time back for myself. So I've joined a choir and my son starts school in September. So I'm hoping to still have my Fridays off and do something for myself a bit on those days and maybe I'll join another trustee board at some point but I'm not going to rush into it I'm just gonna have a bit of time for me where I'm not finance director and I'm not a mum I'm just Heather. I love that I also joined the choir we should do a co-choiring oh. yes whilst yeah. <laughs> <laughs> live in southeast London so there you go. <laughs> so one of the reasons I was so happy I could convince you to come on the podcast because I really want to give people like you or alumni on the chance to share with others what their key learnings are, so in, in terms of paying it forward. What do you think, if you picture someone who's maybe a little bit lower down with the age of the children and who is perhaps where you were five years ago, what do you think are the really important choices that they should think about to increase their chances of making sure their career keeps progressing if that's what they want? Oh, that's a really good question. I think taking risks has been a big part thing for me. I think you can't lose from applying for something. And I think, yeah, if you feel stuck in a rut, like board opportunities are really great. Just taking opportunities to sort of get bits of experience that are maybe outside of your comfort zone or outside of your day-to-day job can be so valuable sort of mentoring people or getting some coaching can be really good for confidence as well so I think yeah and use your network if you're ever feeling like you are low in confidence reach out to others who are going through similar because you'll find you're not the only one and you'll get a boost of people sort of Mm. encouraging you to kind of keep going because I think yeah that was a big thing for the Leaders Plus Network we're all still in touch with each other. We all have an alumni WhatsApp group. And I think just seeing other people on the same journey is really encouraging. Interesting. And I find it very fascinating about what you said about taking risks and also very encouraging that a finance director is giving a message to take risks. So I'm (laughs) going to take that with me. But what I'm particularly interested in is, I mean, how do you have the headspace to take risks? Because aren't you like most parents exhausted a lot of the time and then how do you square that with trying and pushing yourself I think a lot of people think actually right now is not the right time for me to take this risk because I'm constantly overwhelmed and exhausted where do you stand with this yeah it's a really good question I think 
what's been important for me is reflecting on where I get my energy. So like I said earlier, I get my energy and my motivation from feeling really excited about the organization I'm working for, really connected to the values and the mission. So if I see a job or if I see a board opportunity that really ignites that excitement, it doesn't feel like work. Like writing those supporting statements doesn't feel like work because it's just something I'm really excited about. So I, I think I don't want to discourage people, but if you're not excited about it, if it doesn't give you energy, then maybe it's not the right opportunity. So I think where I have taken risks and thought, oh, I'm going for something that's a bit out of my comfort zone or a bit of a step up, it's because I'm really excited about the organization and what it's doing and want to contribute to that. I really like this, just thinking about your gut feeling and does it create energy? And if yes, go for it. We're coming towards the end of our conversation. And I usually ask people for a practical takeaway. So I would like to ask you, if someone listening to this wants to make sure that their career keeps going, they're maybe stuck in a rut a little bit, but they want to make sure that they are in five years, like you, have twice the progress that they were expecting. What should be the one or two things they could do next week, which should take maximum five minutes to start the process? I think writing it down, <laughs> it sounds so simple, but write down your goals, like I think the exercise, again, I'm not somebody who often writes down visions and goals, but just doing it as part of the Leaders Plus course, they happened without me really like reflecting on it loads or focusing on it loads. I find quite often if I write something down, it tends to just like stay in the back of my mind and just gets me kind of taking little steps. And then maybe talk to someone then as well. Like maybe there's something about that peer group and accountability and support and confidence building because I think so much of it is confidence and just having somebody who's either going through the same thing or has done in the past like just to reflect with and have a bit of a confidence boost every now and again a bit of a cheerleader I think is incredibly helpful. I think you definitely need that and I love that recruiter of yours I want to speak to them now they sound like they're such a good person and if people want to connect with you find more out about you and your work where should they head yep have very happy for people to connect with me on linkedin i'm very happy to talk to people there i'm heather taylor so. <laughs> great well thank you so much heather it's been a real pleasure chatting to you again thanks Rina. i really enjoyed it thank you so much for listening today and a special thank you to all of those of you who have connected with me on linkedin in the last few weeks I really, really love hearing from listeners and hearing how you enjoyed the show. So it means a lot. Thank you so much. If you would like to be in touch in real life, do consider joining the Leaders Plus Fellowship Program. It is such a fantastic community of working parents supporting each other to find a way to get careers where you can make a big difference in senior roles, but also do that unapologetically in a way that works for us. And if you want to apply, then the deadline is 20th of March. You can download the brochure for the program on leadersplus.org. Podcasting is also quite a male-dominated environment. If you look at the top charting podcasts, especially outside of the kids and family space, very often it's all led by men. I can't remember the numbers, but it is very male-dominated. Just take a look at the charts. And interestingly enough, more females than males listen to podcasts. So another unequal space. And thank you for supporting this podcast by listening to it. But if you want to help us, I guess, have more influence in the space, then please do help by sharing it with your friends 
and by leaving a five-star review. Thank you so much to all of those of you who have done that already. Have a wonderful week.